As long as you can walk and talk and breathe, you can always do something different. Welcome to Mama's Playground, where we talk about parenting and all things life. This is Darlene. And this is Monica. And this is Bo. Yo! <laughs> intruder, intruder, intruder alert. in the house. <laughs> so, yeah, everyone, we have Daddy Bo, my dad, here as a co co host. Where's you want to adopt me? You want to adopt me, Bo? Sure enough. <laughs> so I could be your daughter, too. Where, where's my drink? <laughs> I know. It's Mama's Playground. We started this podcast with our glass of wine, and right now we have an empty table. <laughs> we always have an empty table lately. Have you yeah, noticed that? What's going on? I don't know. To pursue something new in your life. Not at all. No. No, as long as you can walk and talk and breathe, you can always do something different. I like that. Me too. Yeah. yeah. So today we're going to be talking about that, about how it doesn't matter how old you are, uh, what stage in your life you are, you can always, it's always a good time if you're unhappy to change career, relationship. Uh, ways of thinking, hobbies. So we're going to go over some of those examples. I think the word yeah. you were looking for was reinventing yourself. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we should call this episode. Reinventing yourself. No matter how no. old you are. Yeah, no matter how old. And yeah. so one of the reasons why we have Daddy Bo here, it's because his book just came out two days ago. It's called The Mockingbird. And I'm going to say your age. Why, why, women are the ones that are like, I'm not going to tell you my age. So he's going to be turning um, 79 in how many days? Three. In three days. In three days, yeah. So, so I'm taking advantage of every day of 78. I love that. You're 78 <laughs> until the 29th of July comes. Yeah. Then and I'm 79. So, and congratulations Thank because, you. so this is the thing. At 78, almost 79, he has published his first book. And we say first because it's the first and because there's going to be a second coming too. So That's a fact. congrats, Daddy Boo. Thank you so much. How long did it take you to write this book? Well, I, I started writing it, uh, well, thinking about it in my head since I was a little boy. But I, I st- <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> Ever since I met this crazy guy named Mockingbird, my cousin, so I've been writing it in my head since 1951, let's put it that way. But I started writing it physically in 2003 okay. and the reason for that is that I had met an attorney who was a good friend of mine and I would tell him stories about my cousin and my life growing up in New York City and I had told other people that same story or different anecdotes of my cousin's life and my experiences with him and he told me listen man why don't you ought to write a book about that and I'd help you in any way possible and all that I just disregarded it we were having some wine and some drinks in La Placita in Santurce, Puerto Rico. Oh, I miss La Placita. <laughs> I don't know La Placita, so I don't know. You got to come with us to Puerto Rico, my friend. <laughs> so, so one evening, it was about, I think it was Labor Day weekend of 2003, I went to this location, this place called Cuave, and it was inspiring. The music was great. I got home, and I started having thoughts of doo-wop music in my mind. And I sat in front of my uh, home center, my entertainment center, and I put on a CD, and it was the oldies, and I thought about what my friend had told me about writing. I said, let me do something. It's early, it's one o'clock in the morning. 
of Friday it's night. It's early, one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, technically. Yeah, it's early Saturday, late Friday. <laughs> so I said, let me start writing this. And I started writing and writing. And then uh, next morning I woke up. I had forgotten what I did the day before. I said, what did I do last night? Oh, I wrote something. Really? Let me look at it. And I said, okay, I think I should follow this up. So I kept writing every once in a while, but I get distracted so easily. Because I, I get distracted reading, I get distracted writing, I get distracted doing so many things. So then it just went on and on for a while. Then one day I had a computer glitch and I lost half of what I had written. And then other days I would just had you know I just had no inspiration to write. And it took me this period of time to write it. And thanks to you, I was able to put this to a final stage, which is the publishing of the book. Yeah. And congrats again, Mockingbird. Yeah, it's been a process, and I am so proud of you for doing this. And again, uh, if you want to tell your dad, your mom, your aunt, your uncle, your grandparents to put, you know, their life in a book, like these stories, uh, like I, I think it's such a great, you know, a great thing, legacy. Just like you, you know, there's many people that that have done things like big things like that later in their life one of the things for example it's like relationships <laughs> have you heard of like older people that get like married when they're like in the the homes yes <laughs> they fall in love in the, in the wheelchair <laughs> yes 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 i think that's awesome i think i mean and then there's the people that say no i'm never gonna get married i'm too old to get married oh, you yeah. know at this age but i think that's great like to start a relationship when you're in your 70s 80s yeah <laughs> you have a story you have some yes i do I have not my... personal because he is married to my mom <laughs> <laughs> uh, my uncle israel we used to call him uncle izzy lived in philadelphia since 1916 he was born in 1900 at the age of 16 he went to the states And he married um, this woman that he met in Philadelphia. And he became a widow in 1976, which made him 76 years of age. So he left Philadelphia and he came to live with my parents in Puerto Rico. And uh, living with them for two years, he mentioned to my father uh, that he asked her about this woman that he, he had dated when he was 15, 16 years old. My father asked him, Would you marry again? He said, the only person I would ever consider, but she must be dead by now, is Adela. <laughs> And my father... How old was he at this he was, time? He was 78 years 78? Yeah. Wow. Well, he was 76 when he became a widow. A He's widow. with my parents for two years. That's when my father and him had a conversation. And he mentioned that there's one woman that he would consider marrying and at, at living with her was Adela. So my father did some research and he located her. Wait, wait, but he knew her when he was 15. Yes. And he was 70-something already. Yes. So this girl, like, left a, a mark on him. She sure wow. did, and he left a mark on her because she had two children, and her firstborn, her first son, was Israel. She named him after, after her... my uncle. Oh, my God. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> so they were still, like, connected somehow. Not at all. Yeah, somehow, but <laughs> no communication whatsoever. Yeah. She was Ever. thinking about him. No, sir. was like <laughs> It was telepathic social media. Yeah. You know, <laughs> telepathic social media. <laughs> and because it didn't, I love that. Facebook and this stuff didn't exist in those days. Oh my God. So, Maybe we should get back to those days. I know. <laughs> so, oh my so my father contacted her. He found, you know, he found her and he introduced himself to her and he mentioned 
Uncle Lizzie. And she, her eyes opened up, and she was living, I believe, with uh, some relatives, and she had already two grown sons. And then my father arranged a date for the two of them to meet. Oh, my God. And the rest is history. They were married. At, at what age did they about, eventually uh, get married? About 19, he was my age, like about 79, going on 79. They stayed in Aguadilla, Puerto Rico. Uh-huh. Bought a house there. And then... Uh, they were fine, and we would visit them all the time. Yeah, I remember, yeah. but I didn't know that that was the story, and that's how so long did they stay married? I mean, I, I'm assuming well, they, they're they're not here uh, anymore, no, obviously. No. So, that, so yeah. how long how long were they together for? I'd say about maybe ten years, because I think at the age of 88, uh, and she unfortunately she was afflicted with the Alzheimer's uh, disease, and uh, then she passed away, and he was alone for about. Six months, and her, her daughter took care of him. Wow. So then she nursed him until he passed away, and he was uh, 90 years of age. That's crazy. That's sweet, so, though. It's so sweet. And, and you That's hear sweet. stories like that. You know, it's like okay. the notebook. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yes, yes, there, yes. There's another story that I, that I have personal knowledge of. A good friend of mine, her mother was widowed, uh, she became a widow, and she was in the 60s. And when I saw this lady, she was always with her head bandaged in towels, and she was sitting sickly, or I thought she was almost confined to a wheelchair. She had no will to live, and she was always sick. And here she is, she's wrapped up in these old robes and yeah. stuff on her hair. And, uh, la bata, la bata. Yeah, and <laughs> someone goes knocking on her door, and lo and behold, it was her first boyfriend. And she hadn't seen him in many, many years. And he says, I'm a widow. I, I've always had you in my mind. I'd like to see you. And then they started dating. They got married. And the man was very well off. And they traveled the world. Oh, my and God. She, she lived, took that robe off. She, <laughs> she was reborn and relived a normal life until she passed away. And I believe he's still alive. Wow. And now he, he, he became a father to this uh, brother and sister like the father that passed away when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And he, they, have, they had such feelings for him as if he was their real father. Yeah. So that was another happy ending. That's, a, that's beautiful. I wonder how many listeners are like, right now they're married, happily married, and they're like, hmm, I wonder what my first boyfriend is. I wonder if we're going to end up together at 90. <laughs> Never know. I'm that's sure there's those loves that you know people had from when they were younger that got away. You're yeah. like, oh, I wonder, and it just ended, and then you started with somebody else. Yeah, what they call and the one that got away. It's like they say, if it's meant to be, it's going to happen. Yeah. It could happen at 100, 90, 80, but if it's meant to be, it's going to happen. That's beautiful. Yeah, see, that's, that's me telling you two stories. You, you got listeners out there, and I'll bet you that someone out there say, hey, I have an uncle, I have an aunt, or I have a friend. Yeah. There's a lot of stories like that out there, yeah. but it's, it's not known, but... You ask enough people, and they'll have a relative or an acquaintance that has had that experience. There's no age limit to find your happiness. There's this woman that I worked with uh, in a commercial. Her Instagram is La Viva Sanita, at La Viva Sanita. And she's become like a TikTok sensation, and she's a dancer, and she's in her 70s. And so, yeah, every time I open my Instagram, like, she's there and doing all these dances with her, like, her grandkids and sons. And, and that's another thing that's beautiful, like, seeing people, you know, ad- adopt hobbies later on. Like, in life. In life. 
There's a there's a lady that I follow on Instagram. I have to find the handle and we can also put it on mm-hmm. the on the thing. But her name is Joan. She is seventy six years old. I've been following her since when I started working out. Uh-huh. I started following her because her daughter is a personal trainer in Mexico. They're not they're not from Mexico. They're American, but they're they're living like in Tulum, Mexico. Mm-hmm. And her daughter started this whole personal training thing and she got her mom. Her mom was heavyweight, had diabetes, had all these different things, and she's like, Mom, what are you doing? Like you're going to you know, if you continue this path, yeah. we're not going to have you for so long. So she changed everything. She listened to her daughter. She started working out. The lady's a sensation. I'm talking about she has like 2 million followers. She's personal training clients of her own. What? And she's almost hitting 80 years old. When you oh see God. her, she looks she looks great. I say it's never too late. Yeah. It's never too late to... Uh, to do something that you want to do. I want to follow her. That's inspiring. There's a, a lady. She's from Germany. Her name is Johanna Quas. I don't know if I'm mispronouncing that. And she's recognized as the world oldest gymnast. And she's 86 years old. And if you see her pictures, <laughs> like, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I can't even do that. 86. And the best gymnast. Uh, there's another. I, I, I wrote this down because I'm terrible with names. An Irish racer. Her name is Rosemary Smith, who became the oldest person to drive a Formula One car at age 79. Papi, will you do that? I will do that <laughs> when I was 30 years old. <laughs> Wasn't there some lady that jumped off a plane, a, a skydived yeah. in the 90s not too long ago? Yeah, they're doing yeah, their, their. I saw that. I haven't seen that one. Ninety. I did 90. see that. Yeah, she That's, was with like, but she was with she. I mean, obviously, she went with somebody, but she did it. You know what I mean? That's like she did it with great. one of those like train the people that jump with you. I forget. I imagine that she has to go like through a. a of course, screening. Yeah, the dog screening, the doctor approving of that. Because or she was probably like, you know what? Screw it. I'm ninety. Who cares? She's like, if, if I die, at least I, I got it out of my bucket. List. The bucket list, like that yeah. movie with like a Morgan Freeman. Oh. Yes, yes, yeah. That they went like on a trip around. I love they did that. everything. Yeah. They hit everything on their bucket list. They're like, screw this. We're already this age. I'm gonna do it. I don't care. I you like know that. I, mean? I need to start doing a she bucket probably, list. She might. She might have been disheartened when she was on the plane and she saw in the corner where she was gonna land a coffin, just waiting, just in case something. Happened. I. <laughs> so terrible. So other people that uh, I want to go over this list, like famous people that made it when they're older, wasn't. Is it Clint Eastwood that he made it like at 40? He's, to me, he's made it all his I, life. Yeah, he's, to me too. I yeah. think he's really? been around forever why writing movies why, and all that. I, why, uh, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know why I had him. Stan Lee is another one that he didn't catch his break till he was 40 when he published the book The Fantastic Four. And you guys know who Stan Lee is, right? All the superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> so another one uh, is Vera Wang. So before she was like, you know, a fashion designer, she was working in, she was a figure skater. And she became like this huge fashion designer that she is at 40. I mean, 40 is not that old. I know. 40 is <laughs> not that old. Yeah. But, you know, people, I don't know. I guess like you're trained like in your 20s you need to figure out what you're gonna do with your life and that's what you're supposed to be doing for the rest of your life and 
for me, you know, I was, you know, always in the acting industry. And when I came back from L.A., I remember being like, oh, my God, what am I going to do now here in Miami? Like, I was looking for jobs and everything had to do with health with healthcare. And I'm like, should I become a nurse? I'm like, no, I can't even see blood. What do I do? So, and doing research at that time, I remember, like, feeling better because I'm like, okay, I'm in my 40s and I'm kind of, like, switching career paths and... And this is, and actually, and I'm doing this podcast. We started in our 40s. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> a mama's podcast. The other one is the uh, Kentucky guy. A Colonel Colonel Sanders. Sanders. There we go. Yeah. yeah. He started that chicken business like at 50, but you know? This is interesting. Like, <laughs> no, his, his, no, his, look, I, I have a whole paragraph about him. I thought it's fascinating and sad. He had a really sad, you know, life and he was having so many issues, like with work, everything was going wrong. Like he was working at a cafe at a gas station, like with the chicken. And so apparently they opened like a huge highway. So then the car stopped like driving. They lost like the traffic in the area. So nobody would stop in the gas station anymore. And then he was trying to do other business, like selling like chicken door to door and that was failing. So he tried to commit suicide. I believe he, I'm not sure how old was he was when that happened. Um, and when he was, like, writing the will, at the same time, he started writing, like, something that he's good at. And he said, well, I'm good, like, at cooking chicken. And anyway, forward to what we have now. And it was at age 88 that he found the Kentucky Fried Chicken at 88. It's amazing. And it, everything came. Yeah, 88. And it came to him. Well, he was writing, like, you know, the will because he wanted to kill himself because of all these business ventures were failing and failing and failing. And at 88, look. But he was younger. Wow. So basically when he was getting the success, yeah. then life yeah. was basically like, okay, I get it. I know. He, he ate too much chicken. It? <laughs> it's Okay, this is It's going to sound weird. I've always hated Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> but after reading this story, I was actually thinking about, you know what, I'm going to give it another try. I'm going <laughs> to go and support the chicken of the old man. <laughs> and that doesn't eat chicken. Nope. We were talking no. in uh, last week's episode about things that affect kids uh, at a younger age, and you have a story about that. Listen oh, yes. to this. Uh, when I was uh, seven years old, six years old, I used to eat chicken all the time. I my mother used to give me the uh, the drumsticks. I used to eat the chicken hearts. And I had a cousin that came over to visit one day, and uh, she wanted the drumstick. And my mother said, nope, they're for him. And I just looked at her and stuck my tongue out of her. And, yeah, I got it. And she just looked at me like, you little brat, I'll fix you. She was seven years older than me. I happened to live in an area where we went downstairs, and there was a place where the poultry place where they killed the chickens. And she took me inside and told me, look at what you eat. And at that time, they had these chickens. They were all alive. They put them up on a fan, and they started going around at a high speed. And at one point, they stopped it, and the heads stayed stuck, and the chicken bodies got separated, and they were on the ground, and they, they were still moving. And I looked at that chicken head with those eyes bulging out, with the nasty stuff sticking out from under their neck. Anybody hungry, by the way? And then even... So, <laughs> there goes my trip to Kentucky. So, <laughs> so then they, they took the chicken, the chicken, and they put it in a machine. They took the feathers up, and they opened Ugh. it up, and I saw that nasty stuff. 
brother to this day. You know, you didn't have to go like so graphic. When you asked me, I can't <laughs> I'm hoping well. that was back in the day and they don't do that anymore. I, I hope it's more humane, like a kosher chicken, you know. Well, I, by the way, is it lunchtime right now in case, anybody, oh in case anybody's hungry? That's why a veggie burger for me, please. I don't, so I don't eat anything with feathers, no chicken, no turkey, none of that stuff. And that happened when he was eight young, years old. Eight, and, you know, it's things that to this day he can't eat anything that well, has Well, like, like I had stated previously is that um, – in the job, in the work that I do, I've had, I've taken on testimony of many psychiatrists, psychologists, and they've explained in different uh, trial testimony that children between the ages of like two to about nine or ten will see things, experience things, and that will affect them later on in their lives, but they're not even aware of where that phobia where that mannerism came that. from. We said that. In the last episode, we said I had mentioned something about that. I read an article that a psychologist had wrote, and they said that the ages between like one and seven are such a crucial time because anything that happens that can possibly impact them in a way that's like very strong. Like let's say that chicken story, they saw something, you know, it just, it, it, to this day, you still remember it, you yeah, know? Yeah, I can't eat that. And, and that's what I'm saying. Those, those things that happen between like a certain age group, it's something that can traumatize you. It's it's like a mouse. Yeah, I could t- I could take a snake and wrap it around me with no problem. Any other animal. I want to see that. But then oh, I, I've done that. So so, but a mouse. When I was about five years old, I walked into the living room and my mother, her sisters were all screaming, jumping up on beds and chairs. And I said, "What's going on?" I said, "Un raton, un raton, a mouse." I said, "What's?" I didn't even know what that was at the time. And what happens? I see a little mouse running around, and they start screaming. So what do I do? I start jumping up and screaming too. <laughs> so to this day, I can't see a mouse. Cause you jump you know, and scream. I, 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 I want to see that too. Just about. I see that like, <laughs> like. <laughs> you know, I, it's, I, you ever hear of a guy George? You ever hear of George Foreman? Yeah. Yeah. The, the uh, former heavyweight yeah, champion. Yeah. He, he he had trained. He had trained for his boxing matches. And if he saw a mouse coming in, he would break up the training and move it somewhere else. He could not stand mice. And it's like this big guy, you know, training like for whatever, and he's screaming. I've seen that. I've seen these big men, you know, yeah. and they're all like big and like, ah. And then they see a cockroach and they're like running, you know? I know. <laughs> I know somebody that's afraid of lizards. Oh. <laughs> We're gonna so okay, so we're gonna change that that <laughs> part. No, but it's crazy that you're you're you have phobia of rats and you're from New York. Mice, like, even mice. even mice. And, and that's why I won't New go back York. to New York. That's why I left New York. <laughs> no, they didn't have the rats the way they do now. I left New York in '68. At that time, we didn't have that epidemic that we have now. We're talking about being older and still finding passions and yeah. so on. Mm-hmm. So we also have the thing of you're older and things like traumas still follow you throughout your life. Exactly. <laughs> I know. That's it. But, so you're you know. never too old to go get help. Yeah. So maybe we can take you to a doctor and you can start eating chicken again. And we a, can go to KFC when together. You say, when, you, when, you, when you say a doctor, you mean a hypnotist because no doctor is a hypnotist. <laughs> I know. You'll go for your chicken and mice, and I'll go for my lizards. God, we need therapy in this family. This is a sick podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, another thing is um, education. Like, oh, my God, wait, what's her name? Nola Ox. So she became the oldest college graduate in 2007, so she, I'm sure she's not alive anymore. And she was 95. And then from there she went to get her master's, and she got it at age 98. 
Oh my god! But I mean, you know I, I think that, it's kind of a thing that she can't use it later because obviously you're like really at the end of you know of time. Yeah. But for her, it's like you know I'm gonna I'm gonna pass and yeah. I I completed something. It's like a checklist, you know. It's, I, it's uh, the bucket list. It's super admirable. Like it's super. It's, I that's great. So whenever if anybody here yeah. has a parent or a grandparent that's always saying I can't, I'm too old, I can't do that. It's an excuse. Go get their first boyfriend. Both out of here. Does both do that? I'm, I'm, I was thinking about something. Is that talking about reinventing yourself? You know, and the kind of work that I've done. Uh, I people would ask me, "What are you gonna do when you retire?" I, you know what I told them once. I'm gonna become a lifeguard in a nudist beach. <laughs> that was hey, that sounds cool, but didn't happen. I mean, you, oh st- you still have time. I don't know if Ima <laughs> wants you doing that, but you know, you still have she time. She probably won't care. She's like, ah, just. We've go. been married for so long. I don't care. Go, go do. do it. <laughs> that was my bucket list. Until I went to a couple of news places, I said, heck no. This is the first time that I hear <laughs> my dad's retirement plans. Oh God. <laughs> So the book is out. It came out two days ago. It's on Amazon. We're going to obviously put a link so you can go and get that book. It's really interesting. How do you feel? How do you feel? Oh, it feels great. About I'm, I'm, I'm sort of in anticipation of what's going to happen now because I don't know where it's going to take me, what, who, what people I'm going to meet, uh, um, what I'm going to be talking about and where, what venues, and um, see what, what happens. It's exciting. It gives me more energy to keep going and doing things because one of the things, my passions that I had upon retirement, which I never really had because I've, I keep working indirectly in the same field, but things that I do is I spend time, more time with my friends on the beach in Puerto Rico, not on the beach itself, but close proximity. And we listen to music and we talk about uh, past tales, a lot of things that happened to us. Most of us grew up in New York City. And then when I'm up in Florida, I'm here with the grandkids with you with uh, your other sister and uh, that that's an, it's an, two different lives so I'm actually di- living two different lives at this moment my life with my friends and and my work on the island and then when I'm over here with my family and that's so important like and and that's you know you're so healthy and oh my god and he remembers every date like everything and let's not even get into salsa music he'll be like that was recorded and this year and this were the musicians and and all this stuff and you have so many details of so many things and your mind is so like sharp and yeah it's so clear i admire that a lot you know another music that i like is a doo-wop the old music and i like the old standards also and i have i love to tell people about my favorite singer and nobody nobody no one's heard of him. His name is Arthur Prysock. And my favorite female singer is Sarah Vaughn. That's from the jazz era. If you were to listen to Arthur Prysock, you'd know what I'm talking about. All right, so we're going to wrap it up. Any last thoughts, Miss Monica? No, just basically that. Go live your life no matter how your old life. you are. Do what you need to do. Do what you need to do. <laughs> well, thank you, Daddy Bo, and congrats again on the book. Thank you so much. If yes. it wasn't for you, it wouldn't be possible. Oh, thank you. And see you guys next week. Love see you. See you next Bye. week. Bye. Bye.